You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every week to bring you content and perspectives from people who don't just speak to the rural context, but they understand the rural context. They know what it is to do God's work in small, out-of-the-way places and often under interesting circumstances. I am your host, Joe Epley. And this week, we are going to continue. We kind of took a break and did a rural resource last week. But this week, we're going to dive back into the conversation about bivocational voices. Now, these are specifically ministers who have had to kind of walk both worlds in a sense, who have maybe not had the luxury or have chosen to be bivocational for the sake of ministry. And so um, today's voices that we brought on the podcast are no different. They have an awesome story to tell and quite a longevity of a career in ministry, we are joined today by Maynard and Brenda McCarthy. These guys are longtime pastors in Nebraska and have spent um, a chunk of time in their in the last season of their life in Oshkosh, Nebraska. And uh, I'm excited to hear their story. But the first thing I want to say is, um, Maynard, Brenda, how are you doing? Very good. Very good. <laughs> We're having lots of fun. Just in typical country kind of fall day, lots of wind, all kinds of wonderful things. Well, I am so glad to hear that. The first, I want to kind of dive right into the questions as we uh, conversate today. Um, the first one I have is a question that we ask absolutely everybody. And uh, Maynard, if you want to answer and, and kind of predominantly answer, that's fine. Brenda, if you want to chime in, that's great too. But I want you guys to maybe describe for me uh, your connection to the rural church and what it has looked like for you to be bivocational. So maybe kind of share with us your ministry journey. Okay. I was, uh, was born in the middle of Nebraska, very small town, 15, 17 miles from town, small church. A little interesting sideline there that in, out of that church when I was a teenager, out of those, that group has come four or five kids, kids, we were kids. Then, <laughs> yeah. That uh, are in that are in ministry now. Wow. A small town of 250. We came in leaders and others that are leaders in their churches. Um, really interesting because my pastor at the time caught the vision to say, hey, let some kids, high school kids minister, push us a little bit to do something in the service and so on like that. So that is where I grew up, then went to the big town of Ellendale for education, and which is not, that still falls in my category of rural, I think. Oh, absolutely. But, um, and then since then, our, our biggest town has been about a town of 25, 30,000, and we lived in there shortly. The rest of them have been probably 2,000 or less. Wow. And uh, most of them in the in the in the less than a thousand person towns, so very rural, even by uh, by the middle of the United States standards. Yeah, for sure. 
And I truly believe that God asked me and called me, even when I was a student at Trinity, that he asked me to be a pastor of rural churches. Mm. In no way has this been a demotion or anything, but I was called Mm. to rural ministry, small churches. Wow. I love that you use the term called to rural because that's not a term I hear often enough, it seems. And I I really hope and pray, even at the beginning of this podcast, I'm kind of getting Holy Spirit goosebumps because I'm like, man, I would love to see more and more people, you know, called to rural who really feel uh, intentionally attached to the small towns and the work that God does there. That's such a cool perspective question for you. Um, can you also describe, you know, so so you've been in ministry from what I understood from our conversation about 35 years. And uh, talk to me about what it has been like for you to be bivocational during that time. What kind of jobs have you done? You know, was, was bivocational something that was a necessity? Was it something you chose at times? Just kind of maybe help me understand uh, how bivocational has looked for you. It is definitely of necessity, usually when we were in ministry, and even when we were not, quote, we have been in two or three churches that we were not even staff, Mm. but yet we tried to be very uh, involved in and so on like that. Um, Oh my, I've done everything from oil field work to janitorial work, farm work, gravel pits, bus drivers. I was a welder for a bunch of years and so on. And yes, and then I was also maintenance at uh, at a facility here of a for a business a large business that had a returns facility here. Yeah, yeah, that's quite a uh, that's quite a resume. I don't even know, you know, I, I don't know how anyone finds time to find all those skills. You know what I'm saying? That's that's pretty good on you. Not even sure if it's a resume. It's just doing <laughs> what what was what what you had to do and sure. what was there to do and. And what it took to uh, to try and meet needs of my family. Absolutely. Well, I know in our uh, previous phone conversation, and this this next question might get, oh, I don't know, the word would be like, it kind of gets real for a second. You know, it definitely pulls back the curtain. But that's what we're here to do is kind of look at our own life lessons and try and share them with other leaders and other pastors. And so I know when we spoke on the phone, uh, when I talked about, you know, what what's a challenge to bivocational ministry, my heart was really warmed by your response because you kind of talked a lot about how you felt internally, you know, kind of knowing that ministry put strains on your family and things like that. Would you care to maybe elaborate on that challenge in terms of bivocational ministry? There are privileges, you know, it's a it's a double-edged sword and it depends on how you look at it. Sure. And how you choose to look at where you're at. If you look at it as a, uh, I guess one of the the challenges for me was to resist the temptation of uh, going to district functions and so on like that. And somebody said, you know, they're talking about their church, you know, and, and you know, well, how's your church? Well, you know, all 20 of us are doing quite fine. And to resist the temptation to look at yourself and the enemy plays it, played it on me just every once in a while. And I imagine most pastors maybe. That if I was a really if if I was truly a good pastor, if I was truly somebody that was doing what God wanted me to, that uh, I would be in a whole bunch bigger church, and I would and the ability to provide for my family would be on a different level. And I, if I was truly a success of what God had given me, 
And isn't it like the devil that he will take things like that and and blame me for not being as as quote successful as as we think we should be, you know, and to play it back at me and hammer, try and hammer me over the head with it. Um, that was one of the challenges as well as, as just knowing that I wasn't providing for my family at a level that I would like to have. It didn't bother Brenda at all. And I would complain and it's awesome having a, a bride who was called into ministry. Absolutely. And that she would say, she would say, Maynard, quit it, you know, you know, almost kind of slap me alongside the head and say, quit this. You know, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother us. We do not see it that way. Wow. But it was one of the things that I, that I truly did struggle with a bit. Absolutely. The other thing that I think as far as the thing, and I didn't realize it until lately. And, uh, the jobs that I've done, the facility here that I worked with, it was a facility of 80 to 100 and some people. And so I had wonderful contact there. Um, we pulled into town with six children. Um, the school loved us. Yeah. You know, small communities love you when you come in with that many kids for their, yeah, for their uh, school district. Yeah. For their, oh, yes. They love you greatly. You know, and or to be this or that or to drive a bus sure. or whatever. But the temptation to make and to allow a tool that God gave me, the tool that God gave us to provide for family as a connection to my community and to allow that tool to become an identity mm. rather than maintaining my identity as a as a Christian who is called to minister sure. to anybody and everybody, as well as to be a pastor of a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to minister to people on a spiritual level. And um, I didn't realize until just recently that I allowed some of these tools to, to actually become part of my identity more than oh, wow. just a little a piece of it, but to allow them to become part of my identity and I leaned on that more than I than I should have and I did not keep ministry in as close and tight a focus as I needed to. Wow. Man, that's that's cool stuff. And honestly, like I I never thought of it that way that that honestly like being bivocational, one of the challenges is that you might wake up and never really fully feel like a pastor, but you also know that you're not fully just, you know, working a job or working a secular profession and having to wrestle. Because again, if you're, if you're on staff at a church and you're paid to be there and this is your full-time job, it's much easier to say, well, yeah, I'm a pastor. That's what I do. But when it's, when you're kind of walking in between those worlds, like that's a whole, it's a whole different layer of struggle, man. Thank you for sharing that. I, uh, I want to make sure that uh, I'm excited, actually, because this next question we get to hear uh, and don't take this the wrong way, Maynard, but we get to hear from your wife, too, which mm -hmm. I'm super excited. When we spoke on the phone, uh, it became apparent that while being bivocational has helped you stay connected to your community, it's probably um, and even as you mentioned right now, had more effect on your family long term than on your churches. And so you guys can take turns or, you know, pick one person to start and another person to follow up or find your own rhythm here. But but uh, I would love to ask both of you, uh, Maynard and Brenda, you know, what lessons has God taught you both and 
and your family kind of through your ministry journey? Probably the two biggest things that I would say and that we chatted a little bit is contentment is one of the biggest things that you have to do as a family to not try and live someone else's life that has a different level of income or has a different level, you know, in bivocational, you know, days off are just almost non-existent. If you work five days a week and then you work Sunday and then, you know, there's half of the time there's stuff to do on Saturday with church and so on. And, and, and you're really kind of owned, but to, um, but to be content and to, uh, and to embrace that. You know, you're, we're talking about 35 years of ministry. That's 35 years of raising family. Yeah. Of course, our children are in their mid thirties. The oldest ones are, the youngest ones are in their twenties. Sure. We had seven kids. Wow. (laughs) We have seven kids and they're all married now. And so it, it covers a long stretch of time, but in the early eight, in the early years, you know, we were just being obedient to where God had called us. Mm, And I think the obedience is one of the biggest things in our lives is to bring our marriage, our family and our church lives under submission to the cross to, you know, to Jesus, to be obedient in all those areas. And that foundation helps you to Mm. live where you're at. Um, we can't live under someone else's sure. income. We have to know that we are living within our own means and being good stewards of what God has given us, not wishing for what sure. he hasn't given us, but he, and be thankful for the things that we have. Um, family, you know, teaching godly principles to our kids by modeling them. If Maynard and I aren't content with one another, mm, what will that teach our sure. kids? If we're not content with where God's given us, where he's put us, what will that teach our kids? You know, even in housing and so on like that, I was thinking about it. We raised a family of seven children. We were never in a house bigger than three bedrooms. (laughs) Now, there's not a modern day miracles right there, really. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? In this day and age, yes, it is. Yeah. The real miracle is only one of those houses had more than one bathroom. Oh, man. (laughs) uh, We don't even have time to talk about that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You You know, know, the foundation was laid before then that the kids had to get along. Yeah. That is something that we tried to to make sure that it wasn't about the things it wasn't about what you had what you didn't have but it was are you getting along and doesn't matter what somebody else did are you doing what's right you know mm. teaching the basic things that we needed to teach the kids but um when we're raising a family when Maynard is gone and I'm home with the kids um with that many kids I didn't work mm. outside of the home never sure. did until the last few years but i will say that if you're determined to have to be home with your children in this day and age you just have to decide what is the most important things and god honors i think that that uh that commitment and so on because you know even being content and in you know living in uh, that kind of amount of space for each child but our kids would go to school and they would say Dad, Mom, 
these other kids that they're, they're so grumpy. They're so hard to get along with when they went to college and, and uh, their roommates were this and other kids, they were bickering and fighting. They said, oh, well, sure. what's the big deal? Because they, they learned to get along and they had to, and it was just part of their DNA and their makeup. But um, yeah. One advantage of being in the position that we were with me right. being bivocational and having a larger family, we did a lot of things Together. ourselves. Yes. But I was just thinking about, we cooked, we ate home, we ate at home. We didn't, of course, the rural, the rural area. Lends itself to that. <laughs> yes, sure. It Lends itself to that. But even yeah. then it's way cheaper to eat at home, a home cook sure, than sure. it is. I mean, even yet, we still don't go out much because that's just habit how we yeah right but one thing i i was what i was going to say is that we are able to show the kids the blessings from serving god mm. the blessings of their friends mm -hmm. the blessings of experiences they got to experience with knowing different people in the church blessings of giving yeah. to other people and not expecting things in return of just helping um one of the older people rake their leaves just because they needed wow. the help. And, you know, and then seeing God return blessings as they give, they saw blessings given back to them that they weren't even wow. expecting. It's just God is real. And it, he was real in our lives. And it gave us opportunity to really just experience God altogether in, in that, in that way. Yeah. One of the, one of our children commented once that they said, Dad, we maybe didn't get to do some of the other things, but they commented about the people that they, that because of being, and some of it is just generally of being in ministry. Sure, sure. Yeah. Some but, of this applies. Um, our kids, sure. But, you know, but the people that they got to meet, they rubbed shoulders with pastors and other families that did this. They rubbed shoulders with missionaries. They sat in, sat in our living in our kitchen and ate over a table and laughed about things and having a missionary tell them about life that was here and there and other things. And, and they said, you know, if we hadn't been in a parsonage, I would never have known some of these things. Sure. And they learned to embrace some of these as they looked at it later and said, it was truly a blessing to, to have been there. Yeah. Another thing that they did was uh, the McCarthy's had a band, okay, so to speak. Sure. All of the kids were somewhat musical. Brenda was a music major. Yep. Knowing some of your kids, I can definitely attest to that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they all were, you know, you don't have, you know, a lot of people to choose from for a worship band in a small church. But we, we had voices. We had guitar. We had bass. We had drums. Yeah. And... And some of the muse, some of the the blessing of making worship music and helping your kids, and for them and to help them learn that this is not just music. We this is a something serious that we are doing that we are ministering to people, and we are making a place for other people in the church to come and to bow at the cross and to worship and to praise our King. Wow. I really love uh, I really love all these insights. Uh, some of the things I'm walking away with right away is is just the understanding that that sometimes just by nature of serving rural places and especially being bivocational, because again, you know, Maynard, Maynard, it's not like you could just 
take on ministry by yourself, you had, you had all these obligations. And, and so to see the partnership of, of you guys as a couple, and then to see just the investment you made as a family, it's really, uh, it's really just speaks so many cool lessons of, Hey, if we're going to make this work, if, if we're going to make bivocational ministry work, it's got to be something that not just your family is kind of pulled into, but they're invited into, and they they really do get to see. I mean, you live in obedience, and you reap those blessings of that obedience. And and sure, you have to depend on God, but the blessing is you you get to depend on God, and your kids get to see that and experience that. And so, yep. wow. And one of the things I had mentioned to you that, and they learned was that at one point in time that we uh, one of our boys wanted basketball shoes. And he truly enjoyed and he loved basketball and was quite decent at it. Sure. But he wanted shoes and he need. And I said, well, here's what I can. He said, but dad, I've had those and they slide on the floor. I need a good pair of shoes. And yeah. I said, son, there isn't, uh, I'm sorry. This is what I can spend. Here's sure, the, sure. here's the budget that we have. And we literally prayed and for him, for us to walk into a store and to begin shopping and looking and, uh, and the salesman finally understood that we weren't buying whatever he set out. And he pulled back off the shelf, a pair of shoes, a, and my son walked out of there with a pair of 70 80 dollar shoes and this has been 25 years ago number of years sure yep sure very nice pair of shoes for oh my stars for like 25 30 dollars and for him to oh, wow. understand and to see that god provided what he wanted because he depended and we asked and and he saw god's provision in that way too man that's great i love that well, I do want to ask you guys another question, and uh, we'll see how the timing goes, and and see if it's our last one or if we get to our last one. But, uh, but because uh, th- this really is such an encouraging story, you know, uh, I've loved hearing different bivocational voices because they all bring something different to the table on their own experience in ministry, and I just really love dialing into this. I love hearing about the McCarthys and their and their seven children, and like how God has showed up time and time again, and just it's it's such a testament to. Uh, seeing the good, even in the hard days, you know, a lot of people have compared rural ministry to missionary work because it really is such a, such an intense context, you know, that you have to kind of break into a town. You have to learn the culture. You have to depend on God directly in faith. You know, there's often uh, less amenity and less uh, paycheck and less salary and all those things. And so I do want to, so, so I want to ask you both this question again, you can answer in any order, but I'd love to hear from, from both of you. How would you guys encourage maybe another ministry couple who might be struggling to do bivocational ministry and manage a family. So again, you guys have lived this and and whether you're by your own estimation, you were successful or not, you know, it's always hard to look in the rear and say, well, did we do everything perfect? But, but if you had to uh, encourage another ministry couple who's trying to make this all work similar to you guys, what would you say? What are some of the things that got you through, I guess, you know? I think I mentioned it a little bit before. Scripture says that uh, that godliness with contentment is great gain. And to be content with where you are, with what has been given to you, with, you know, um, every vehicle, I think we have bought one vehicle in less than 100,000 miles. The most I have ever paid for a vehicle is a little over 7,000 ever in our marriage. To learn to live at a slightly different place and allow God to provide 
you know, one time we were we were looking at a vehicle and I was visiting with the dealer and my son called and said, oh, hey, I hear you were looking for a rig. Um, I was literally almost on the conversation with this dealer and he says, here's one up here for, and it was less than half of what I was talking about. Oh, wow. And to be content and to wait, you know, to be content in your mm -hmm. housing, don't be looking and wishing and fussing and fretting and trying to do other things, you know, to learn to live, you know, the things that you do for entertainment. We did everything together, just lots of different things. And don't fall into the trap of trying to be like others around, even those within the church and so sure. on like that. And uh, I will try to refrain from preaching because Maynard's the preacher. But uh, <laughs> don't no, let I, her I bet fool you, got you. Here, Brenda. You can rock it. <laughs> I heard you covered church when he was sick, like just this last oh, Sunday. So you're not fooling anybody. It was a simplistic you thing. Know. But I think priorities yes. are a thing that you have to go mm -hmm. in. What is your priority? Are you there to serve God? Yes. Yes, we are there to serve God. But okay, what do I have to have? Do I have to have the newest and best of everything? Do I have to, you know, mm -hmm. and if you want to put it in perspective, what does... Uh, Dave Ramsey say about living life sure. now. So, you know, like nobody else so that you can live like nobody else later. And that's a, a money thing. Sure, sure. But really, what does it take to be content? Mm -hmm. We have to be very careful. And this is where the sermon comes in, but I'll make it very brief. Oh, I'm here for it. <laughs> we have to be careful that we don't take on those characteristics of the world. The world wants more. Sure. They want more. They have to have the best. They have to have the newest, but really in, in the scope of things, I have to ask myself, what is the eternal value? Because at the basis of everything, you have to remember what it's about. I that, guess that's what, that's where I would yeah, kind of come down to. That we are truly called into this ministry. It's not something we chose to do and not that I'm fighting and kicking and screaming, but we were truly called that uh, Brenda yeah. felt that she needed to pray for this guy that was her future husband because God had called sure. her to be a pastor's wife. And as close as we can figure, it was precisely when I was rebelling against what God had for me in my life. And he said, you need to pray for this gentleman who will be your husband because he is wrestling and fighting with with well, his call into ministry. <laughs> he didn't get quite that sure. specific. It just was, he may not be serving God right now. And oh, so, yeah, yeah. yes. You thought you were slick, Maynard. You really thought you were slick and you thought you were getting away with something, but God had you, you know, the whole <laughs> yep. time. God's plan is the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I love I love that perspective. And I, and I honestly think as far as questions go, that's probably where we'll stop. But mostly because I think that this this is this is such an impactful thing. Um, to hear you guys after after 35 years in ministry as a couple, having raised seven kids, um, having served the Lord through it all to the best of your ability, I, I think that that's such a powerful point of Scripture applied. Godliness with contentment is great gain because I'm even sitting here, you know, uh, uh, my own experience as a bivocational pastor now in my rural context, 
and uh, and my own experience as a pastor in a rural town, thinking to myself, man, when when was the last time I checked my comment? contentment rather when's the last time i i really measured myself uh by just faithfulness to the lord and and stopped you know because because this whole you know the greed and the jealousy and the and the comparison game really does steal kind of the joy of what god's trying to do in our lives so this has just been delightful stuff before we go i just want to say thank you guys one more time for jumping on this with me you are so so very welcome thank you for the invitation absolutely absolutely and i know uh uh, you know, the leader of rural advancement, Dwight Sandoz, I know he was he was pretty excited to uh, he, he told me you got to reach out to these guys. And I am absolutely uh, glad that he did. And so um, at this point, I do want to say to our listeners, uh, thank you again for tuning into rural advancement. Every week, we're hoping to bring you voices that are, again, not just speaking to the rural context, but they are living it. They get it. They understand it. And again, uh, this week has really blessed me and I hope it's blessed you. Uh, we're going to continue next week hearing from more bivocational voices. Uh, if you're looking for this podcast, we can be found on Spotify or Apple Podcast or on the uh, Rural Advancement website at www.ruraladvancement.com. Go ahead and uh, follow us, subscribe, and share this with a pastor who might uh, benefit from it. You know, that's probably the best way is just getting the word out. And so thank you again for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.